0: Welcome to Heels in the Courtroom, a podcast about successfully navigating law
1: and life, featuring the women trial attorneys at the Simon Law Firm. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Heels in the Courtroom. I'm Mary Simon, and I'm joined today by Erica Slater, Liz Lenovey, and Elizabeth McNulty. And today we're going to be talking about comparison, everything about comparison that's good, that's bad, and in-between. I want to kick off this conversation with the quote that all of us are familiar with. And that is, comparison is the thief of joy. So comparison is something that I personally probably struggle with it on like a day-to-day basis. I'm not going to lie and i was reading a bit about it and quite frankly i read about it not just for purposes of this podcast episode but you know in my own personal life and my personal growth especially in my career as a younger attorney first of all let me kind of give a definition of comparison and it's comparing or evaluating two different things to make a judgment about the other and the type of comparison that i want to talk with you all about today is really social comparison and what i'm talking about is comparison in order to make a judgment about ourselves. And it's our own doing, our own thought process, our own comparison of others in comparison to ourselves to determine whether or not we're good enough at what we're doing. The social comparison theory was introduced by a psychologist named Leon Festinger. I don't know if any of you are all familiar with him. And he suggested that people have this innate drive to evaluate themselves by comparing themselves to others. And the best way to do this is to look around you, look at people who are like you or people who aren't like you, and draw comparisons in order to determine how you value your own worth. And there's two types of comparison that I want to talk about today. One is upward comparison. And this is a type of comparison where we look at somebody who we think is better than us, and we use that upward comparison in order to strive to be better. To be better than we are now and to be more like the person who we're comparing ourselves to. The other is downward. And quite frankly, I think downward can just be if you're not feeling good about yourself. I think that's when you do downward comparison. You look to somebody who has less than you or you think is less than you. And then you say, well, at least I'm not like that person. At least I've got this going on. And it's really just to make yourself feel better about yourself.
2: I feel like you're calling me out right now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm telling you what, this is a humbling conversation. I swear. Like when I was thinking about this, it's uncomfortable for me to even talk about the amount of comparison that goes through my mind on a day-to-day basis. And I don't think that I'm alone in that. I bet every single person listening to this podcast right now, today, at some point, whether they're listening to it first thing in the morning or last thing before they go to bed, You have compared yourself to someone else today, whether that's upward or downward or in between, right? And I have kind of come up with my own questions to ask myself when I start spiraling down this comparison rabbit hole to get myself out of it if I shouldn't be in it, if it's not doing anything to benefit me. But I want to talk about comparison in our own professions and why do we all do it and what are some examples of where it's so easy to compare yourself to someone else. And I want to learn from you all how you get out of it. Everything that I'm saying in this episode, it's kind of, I hate to admit it, but I feel like the more I admit it and the more we have conversations about these topics, the less kind of taboo that they become. And it's a lot easier to connect with other people and you know to be vulnerable with people and talk about the ways that you compare yourself to others and how you can get stuck in that. And the most recent example for me, I am a young lawyer and I just settled a case as the lead attorney on the case for The Limits. I was so, so proud of myself. I told my husband, you know, I called my mom and told her how excited I was. It was just such a great outcome. There couldn't have been a better outcome for my client. And I had taken the depots in this case. I took the expert depots. I worked up the case from start to finish. And I was just so happy about it. And another lawyer who I'm pretty close with, I called him and told him about it. And, you know, like 15 seconds into talking about how great that was, I was kind of drilled with questions about, well, what were you going to do in the case? And were you ready to do jury selection? Were you going to do jury selection? Were you going to do opening? And all the parts of the case that I was supposed to do that I wasn't anymore. And then he reminded me how I haven't done jury selection yet on my own or been lead in a trial. And there was also a congratulations at the beginning of this conversation. It wasn't all doom and gloom. I get off the phone and my own brain, I start to think to myself, oh gosh, well, how many years out am I? And okay, at this point, at least, okay, I've settled a case for the limits on my own. Okay, now I've done that at this age. Like at what point age out wise do I need to have done jury selection? And who else is my tenure that I know who have done those things and have gotten a win actually at a trial? And every single ounce of joy that I had prior to that phone conversation was just ripped out from underneath me. And I started to compare myself to people who I had an talked to in years, who I didn't even know who I might've read about on the news. That's my own doing. And to me, that's pretty messed up that I'm still in a space that I've come so far in terms of just personal growth. We've talked about that on this podcast with all of us individually, but I still have that kind of like nagging voices in my head and they're all my own that are comparing me to other people. And it inspired me to open up the conversation with you all today to see if you've ever experienced anything similar or how you get out of that. And I'll share a little bit more about what my process was. And it took until this afternoon, so like a full day for me to get back in the even keeled, kind of happy mindset that I was. And I had to really think about it. It just messed with me so much. And I hate to admit, that it still does. And I still have that kind of nagging tendency to compare myself to others. Do you all experience this? Am I alone? How are we gonna get through it?
2: First, I have to say, Mary, I feel like since Amy is not here, I'm gonna channel the good vibes she would always give you in response. And that is the fact that you are sharing this. (laughs) The first thing I thought about is, Maybe it's a listener. Maybe it's one of your colleagues who compare themselves to you and use you as their upward comparison to hear your experience, you know, just recently with that. It's just so leveling, you know, and it's a good like sharing of a vulnerability. And it just is such a relatable thing. And I don't think it matters how long you've been practicing or how much you've accomplished because there's always going to be people who accomplish more than you in what you're doing. There's always going to be people who are your colleagues who are not as successful as you. So there's always going to be all of this material, if you will, for upward comparison and downward comparison. And when you first started talking about this, I was like, what is that? creeping feeling I'm getting on the back of my neck. Like, I immediately felt like shame start to creep in. And I was like, can everyone see that I do this too? You know, that's what it is, right? Like, it feels a lot like the imposter syndrome episode and talking about that. And, you know, how are you measuring up? Right? So it really takes a lot of work and reflection about why are you doing that? You know, is it your own insecurities. If it is, you know, how can you overcome those and just, you know, get out of your own head? And you're so good to have recognized that. And at least you see it. It's funny because since you use that example, I had said to you, I just took this type of deposition in this type of case, I've taken plenty of defendant-doctor depositions, but this case is a really huge case. I've worked the whole case up by myself, and I charged into this deposition and just kind of on the eve of it was like, wow, this is a big thing. And it's a really important case, and there's high stakes. You know, I'm talking to a physician who's going to feel like they're defending their entire career. Here I am taking on this case for this family. And I struggled thinking about it quite a bit. And then very shortly after that depot, I told someone that I just finished this depot and it took a lot out to actually take it. I'm happy to say it went well, but it was still exhausting. And I told somebody like, oh, I just finished this depot. And I just felt kind of small because I was comparing it to – how that would hit that person's ears. And they might be thinking like, well, it's just a defendant doctor. Like, you're not going to make your case deposing the defendant doctor. And that I was putting, you know, like a lot of emphasis on it. Same thing, Mary. Like, I was feeling really awesome about it. And then I was like, oh, I wonder if that just sounds silly to the person I'm telling that to because they're like, well, yeah, I do that for breakfast. (laughs) You know, (laughs) like, so, yeah, I mean, it's hard stuff. Anyone else want to <laughs> lay it all out there? Uh-huh. This is a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is a really heavy topic, but this is one of the reasons why I love this podcast is because we are talking about really difficult Subject matter that does open us up to quite a bit of vulnerability and sometimes takes me places I don't want to (laughs) go, at least in my brain. But I think that that's important to really just keep this profession and keep our lives in perspective. And Mary, when you started explaining. What's his name? Leon. Yeah. I'm not even going to try that last name. Uh, (laughs) But when you were explaining, you know, his concept of upward and downward comparison, at least for me, given my age, it's hard for me to not immediately think of social media Mm -hmm. and how we make comparisons on that. And I'll tell you, when I first started using social media in high school, which is a terrible time to be exposed to it, especially because it was so new at that time. I'm dating myself here. But I was uh, going to say, at
2: least I got to college.
0: Yeah, I was on MySpace when I was way too young <laughs> to be on MySpace. But not also realizing how people use social media. And now being older and having seen the studies on it and how it affects our self-esteem and all of that. And also realizing how people actually utilize it, which is you only really post the good things, right? It's a highlight reel. Exactly. It's going to be all of your best moments because that's what you want to share with the world. That's what you want to brag about. But I keep that in mind now when I think about that in terms of my career, especially because, again, living in the day and age that we are with Internet And constant bombardment from so many different forms of media. It's really hard not to constantly compare yourself. But here's the thing. You can have 10 failures in a row and one accomplishment and one great event. And that's the one thing you're going to talk about. So no one else is going to see all of the bad days that had to come up for that one good day. And that's something I think about in this profession. We do it, too. We love to talk about our wins and the good things and the great moments we have and when we're out there fighting for our clients and the jury agrees with us. And that's wonderful to talk about. But also, I think it is disingenuous to not also think about all of the bad days. And so that's something that I have had to work on as I've gotten older is keeping in mind that. What I'm seeing everyone else project and what everyone else is telling me about what they've done, they're not telling me the bad things, just like I'm not telling them my bad things. And so that has helped me at least try to keep my comparisons, again, just keep them in check.
3: I think something that is so hard about and unique to our profession, at least, is that how competitive you have to be to kind of survive and thrive in these environments, which makes us all kind of one uppers. Like we're naturally comparing ourselves to everyone. You know, you'll tell me you did something. I'll tell you I did something. And it just like makes it really hard to kind of stay grounded and stay on your own track and not compare yourselves to others. And my first kind of taste of this was in law school, I went to Wash U and it was definitely the most competitive academic environment I'd ever been in. And it was like a shock to my system because it was so much different than where I had come from. I had always been in like the top of everything I'd done. And then I was around all of these like minded people and I became way less type A on the spectrum of things. And it was really eye-opening. I was like, wow, I don't know that I'm going to like any other lawyers because these people <laughs> <Ever>. are insufferable <laughs> in general. I'm joking. But I mean, everyone knows that gunners in your class, generally at WashU, it's like 50% of the people are like that. So it was different. It pushed me and it got me to where I am today, but it was very difficult. And I had to have a lot of conversations with myself about like, who I was and how I was still that same person that came into law school and like just because I wasn't the top one percent anymore didn't mean that I you know wasn't intelligent and I wasn't all these things but it's really difficult when you're constantly comparing yourself especially in an environment that is so competitive and that continued into you know our profession we like live on winning basically everything in what we're doing we're trying to win and so it can be kind of toxic when we're just constantly comparing our results and the things we've done and the things we've achieved and the things we've gotten to experience in our profession so it's really important to just kind of stay in your path and kind of put blinders on and not compare yourself to what other people have achieved, because you've achieved a lot of great things in your life, too. It just might not match up. We've talked about downward comparison in a way that seems really negative, like in a way like that person sucks and like I'm <laughs> a lot better than them. But I think there's a healthy way to view it. And it will give you more of a dose of perspective because like some tragic things happen to people in our lives. And you can be like, well, you know, I had a bad day, but there are plenty of people who had much worse days. And I think that will kind of lend to maybe some good comparison, keep you, you know, perspective, because things can always be worse, as awful as that is. You know, I have a friend who's going through something like pretty terrible. And we were talking about it. I was asking her how she was like managing. And she was like, well, I just have learned to appreciate what I do have. And I think that that's a really hard thing to learn, but really important in these moments of comparison to think about the things that you have achieved and where you've gotten. And you wouldn't have gotten to that place without all of the hard work and all the people around you. So I don't think that downward comparison, I think it can be a little bit helpful. Elizabeth, I had the exact same
0: thought. Initially, when Mary was defining upward and downward, I thought downward was not about comparing myself to other people to make myself feel better, but comparing myself to other people to keep my own situation, like you said, in perspective. That's what I thought the definition was going to be, which is why I chuckled when you were like... We compare ourselves to others so that we can make ourselves feel better by saying, well, at least we're not that guy.
2: I reserve the right to still do that once in a while without shame. Sure. I mean, sometimes you just got to be like, well, that's what Facebook's I'm for, doing right? i doing all right. <laughs>
1: When I was talking to the attorney who was asking me about basically like my milestone accomplishments, that's one way to put it, I guess. I was talking about how my next trial set in July because I had one in June and it got bumped and this one was in May. Then my next one's in July, which seems like such a big gap to me. Normally, there's not that big of a gap. And he's like, well, I have, you know, two every other week till now. And it sounded really stressful, but it's like, that's great that you have those trial set. But in my head, I'm thinking I need to get six settings in the next five days to happen in May and June. And then today, after kind of sleeping on it, I thought to myself, I'm like, man, I got a 10 month old daughter, and I've got like two months where I don't have a trial, and I can take every single deposition and all my cases that are lined up, you know, July and into the fall. And for me, for Mary Simon, what would my ideal two next months be if I can fill every single day with the deposition and the cases later? That is great to me. And I don't even know why I would ever spend a second of my time thinking about what another attorney's schedule is in comparison to mine. But I hear what you're saying, Elizabeth. I'm doing it. I did it. I thought about that yesterday. And then today, not trying to get too philosophical here, but I have one life. It is mine. If my May and June of the year 2022 don't have back-to-back trials, I will sleep happily at night so long as my kid is also, you know, sleeping through the night. That also helps. (laughs) But that's the world I'm living in with my career and where I'm at and what impacts me. Why on earth would I end that sentiment that I have currently about what my circumstances are and say, but I should probably change it because somebody else is going to be doing something differently than me and I need to be more like that person because why? I have no reason... It ends there, but I get what you're saying, Elizabeth. It's the nature of our practice is comparison in a way. But if I step back and this kind of gets, and I can kind of talk about the little sort of reflection of my own process to pull myself away from this comparison game is what is it doing for me to compare myself to the person next to me? How is it benefiting me? So in a way, and I hope for all of the attorneys who are listening to this, I don't think it's a one-size-fits-all in terms of what the process will be to kind of help you remember that you on your own are completely enough and sufficient in what you're doing, and you don't need that validation, you don't need to compare in order to understand that you are totally enough and your value is enough and the depot you took today, that's enough and you're doing great. But one of the things that helps me is have an awareness of, oh, I'm doing that thing where I'm thinking about other people in comparison to myself to see if I'm enough. Stop for a second and ask, why are you making the comparison? And this is the question that really kind of digs me out of it is, what would happen if I stopped comparing myself to this person? Whoever it is, whether it's a group of people, whether it's your classmates, if you're in law school, whether it's your colleagues, if you're an attorney or whatever, What would happen if I didn't do that? And I'm like, dang, I would have a lot more space in my brain. I could really enjoy this walk that I'm on. I could focus on this great podcast that I'm listening to. I could you know, focus on the work that I actually do have in front of me. And I walk through that question. What would happen if I just stopped thinking about this right now? How would my life be impacted for better or for worse? For me, 10 out of 10 times, it's better. And then Is thinking about that comparison adding anything to my life? And you think about that for a second, if it's not. And then I also have the last question in my own personal reflection is, do I want to let it go or do I want to hang on to it? And my last prong is, I can do either. And I'm the person who gets to decide. And it ends there. But I have yet to find any circumstance where I'm in that comparison spiral that at the end of my own reflection when I think, do I want to let it go or hang on to it? And I get to decide. I always pick let it go because it's never benefiting me. And I hope that makes sense of how I'm trying to say this because it's not saying you don't set goals for yourself. But who I am today as a lawyer is so much different than who I was four years ago as an attorney. Leaps and bounds. And why is that the last comparison that my brain goes to is me. Me. To me, years ago, you know, I'm a mom. I've birthed a child, and I still like wake up and go to work. It still like boggles my mind, and I compare myself to like guys who guys. I should just end the question (laughs) mark there. (laughs) (laughs) Men. So yeah, it's just crazy to me, and it's worth thinking about. I've just loved knowing that I'm not the only person who struggles like this, but I am happy to know there is a way out. It's just really hard to get out of it sometimes.
2: So, are you going to put that like five point plan for self reflection in the show notes? Cause I think, like, (laughs) I didn't realize I needed to be taking notes at the beginning of it, but now I like need that on a post it on my mirror in the morning. Totally. Honestly, at the beginning of the conversation, I was like, I realized. In my own life, I kind of have an energy that fluctuates and it kind of serves as my armor. Sometimes I'm feeling really great for a long period of time. And, you know, when comparisons come up like that or I realize I'm starting to do that, it is easy for me. And this has been over time. Keep in mind to just say, like, well, I don't have time for that. And, you know, without... Being as thoughtful as you just described, I get to that point, like, yeah, I don't have time for that. I can't compare that, you know, like, I'm doing fine, I'm enough, good night. But then there's other times where, like, that armor and that energy, if you will, is just not as strong. And it kind of fluctuates, you know, it has to do with, you know, what else is going on in your life. And I think that the thoughtfulness that you just described or self reflection or whatever, that's exactly the way to do it, no matter how much energy you have to brush it off or not like i'm so happy that you brought this up because i feel like again i hope this benefits our listeners but this is why we do this because we get so much out of it ourselves and mary no doubt let me put another angle on this not just women in our profession but as you and i have both experienced in the last couple of years for me and the last year for you once you add kids to a picture And you start comparing your kids or your family or, like, the decisions you make as a professional mom to other people. And I do the upward comparison and downward comparison. And, you know, like, I'll look at someone and literally I was walking into this room and I was thinking about my friend who's having her second baby next week. And after I had our second baby, she, like, made me this whole meal and like dropped it off at my house. And I was like, wow, that's like amazing. And I was like, I don't know if I'm like equipped to do that in the middle of my week. And then I was like, okay, well, she's not working. And that was my first, you know, like step into comparison. And it had downward and upward comparisons. And I didn't know which way to go. I'm like, do I want that? Do I not want that? Like, am I, you know, like, understanding my situation, because I'm, you know, one of two parents with two full-time jobs, and, you know, I don't need to, like, feel bad that, I might buy her a meal instead of make it. So Elizabeth's looking at me like, yeah, Erica, that's the answer. Thank God for Elizabeth, because she puts things very simply in my life sometimes. I'm happy and fortunate to be surrounded by a lot of good moms who were moms before me, and the second I ever say anything that has to do with comparing or whatever, they're so quick to be like, can't compare? You can't compare. And that mantra is now in my mind, at least when it comes to that topic. And I so quickly go to can't compare, can't look at my kids compared to other kids, like they're their own little people. And I'm so good with that mindset with my kids. And it always begs the question, like, why don't you give yourself that grace too?
0: So full disclosure, since we're on the topic, I could not help but find myself now comparing me to Erica and Mary. What? Because I'm 30, I've been married for five years this summer, and I don't have any kids. And frankly, they're not quite in my plans yet. But it is a question that women of my age and my relationship status are constantly hounded by also by complete strangers. And so it's something that kids are constantly on my mind now, even though I don't have any of my own. And I think about the working moms in my life, especially the working female attorneys who are mothers, because let's be real, it's a different experience for fathers. And so I find myself constantly comparing my situation to my friends who have children. And, you know, when I'm really tired and I feel like I'm pulling really long days and I feel like I don't have any time for myself. And I'm thinking, well, at least I don't have kids. (laughs) At least the only person I have to take care of is me. And so I found myself thinking about that while you were talking, Mary, and then while you were talking, Erica, and it's really hard not to do that. And I just found myself thinking, we've been talking this entire time about don't make comparisons, don't make comparisons. And it's so easy to fall in that. And I find myself asking, am I going to let this live, whatever this issue is, rent free in my brain? Does this deserve space in my brain? Or do I simply not have enough space to worry about these things that don't matter? And aren't going to matter. If it's a comparison that I'm making to someone else that I think will benefit me, that I'm thinking, I look to this person as a mentor, as Someone that I want to have a similar career trajectory. And I think about, you know, the Amy's and the John's and all the women here, too. I look to all of you as mentors in my life as well. I think about what all you have accomplished. And I say, okay, that's something to strive for, to achieve for. That's a good comparison. But if it's something that's not going to benefit me either in the moment or in the future, it doesn't get to live rent free in my brain.
3: I think that's a really smart way to look at it, Liz. One thing that helps me is not to let other people's measure for success define what I view as success. So if I find myself comparing myself to someone, it's like, well, is that something that I want? Is that something that I'm striving towards? And if so, like, how am I getting there? Like, what am I doing to achieve that for myself? And if the answer is no, I don't want that, then like, why am I thinking about it? And why am I comparing myself to that person? So I think that's an easy kind of check to make sure that like, I don't care. Why am I even thinking about it? It's a waste of energy, you know, so you got to be efficient with your energy. Oh, I love that.
2: I also think it's important to remember and connect with the idea that what you're doing, no matter what it is, whether you've made choices to be a coupled person, a working person, a person who's raising children, like those are your decisions. And not everyone is interested in those same aspirations. I think women get the like you're saying, Liz, like the assumption that even if you are a working woman or whatever, part of your aspiration should be to be married and to have children. And that assumption is made. And Elizabeth and I just had this conversation like last week. Mm -hmm. And don't make those assumptions when you're talking to people, because that's one of the things that adds to kind of the toxic part of comparison, like your goals and your values and Things that you strive for in your life or the life position you found, that's not for everyone. I would just caution our listeners to remember that when you're comparing, it's never apples to apples. Maybe it's apples to oranges or, you know, apples to race cars. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. different people have different values. And if you're comparing yourself to other people who don't share your values, that can also be a hard comparison as well.
1: Elizabeth, to your point of what your goals are, my husband asked me that when I was kind of going down this little comparison spiral and talking to him about, gosh, why does my brain do this? And then I explained kind of what my brain had kind of gone through in the last 24 hours. And he was like, what do you want? And I just kind of stopped and looked at him and I was like, what do I, I I want what I currently have. Like I love what I currently have and how things are currently going. And he's like... Cool. <laughs>
2: I Can't help you.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just, that's kind of the whole point of what you were saying, Elizabeth. It's like, look at what someone else is doing and what if you went and you're like, actually, I have no interest in setting that as my most pressing goal that I'm currently trying to achieve. So maybe that's why I'm not trying as hard as I can right now to meet the goal that is not mine. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's why that makes sense. Yeah. One of the biggest tips that I've learned and it kind of sums down the you know self-reflection that I was talking about, earlier, just imagine a world where you're not thinking about that comparison. That's really what it comes down to is just take a second and imagine if your brain wasn't thinking about that, what would happen? And if it's all going to be fine, if you're not thinking about it, that'll kind of guide you.
2: I want to add one more thing before we wrap up here. If you've ever talked to someone who like was brought up much differently than you and maybe very privileged or, you know, got everything that they want. And like the difference with the way people like recognize the value of a dollar and that's all based on peer group, right? Like you may be looking at someone saying, oh man, they have a bigger house than me, but like you have a beautiful house, (laughs) you know? And if you looked around and stopped comparing yourself and realize what you have, if you can gain a little perspective on that and look more inwardly, do what you're saying, Mary, say, is this what I want? Or am I unsatisfied with this part of my life or this thing I'm doing because I'm comparing myself to other people? It will lead to a little bit more happiness and bring back some of that joy.
1: Well, ladies, this has been a very insightful and interesting discussion. I've learned quite a bit. I hope our listeners have as well. As always, please feel free to reach out to us at comments at heelsinthecourtroom.law. New episodes drop on Wednesdays, and we'll see you next time. Thanks. Amy, Liz, Erica, Mary, Elizabeth, and
0: Megan would love to hear from you. Send your thoughts to comments at heelsinthecourtroom.law and check out other legal podcasts in the Simon Law Firm Library. The Jury is Out with John Simon focuses on lifelong learning to elevate your practice. Subscribe today.